Oh, good. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Now I just get back from Vegas. Just got paid. Just got paid. I did just get paid. On did Wednesday you? night? Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> I swear, I thought Friday night is when you just get no, paid. No, it just work. rolls in your account. I just, I just work here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, so a couple quick things because we're running slightly behind schedule. I want to mention a couple things. There are There are numerous recovery podcasts out there, each a niche within a niche. Um, and I'm sure many, certainly many of the larger ones that I imagine our listeners are familiar with, um, get some of the same feedback, both nationally, internationally, and from a variety of people, but it certainly feels good. And we talk about this and I've been talking about it more and more, I think. Because maybe I need it this this year and here going into our fourth year, and I yeah. really not that I, not, we didn't need it before, but it feels good to get this feedback. Like this week, um, like we got this week from someone that's called to let us know um, that uh, they were close to a drink, mm-hmm. listened to our podcast. Podcast helped turn them around and they had a cup of coffee instead of a drink. Nice. Um, yeah, that was cool. You shared that with us. Yeah. That's and, good. uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's just, not to, I'm just not so happy for that it's person. What? Not to imply that all you need is a little podcast. No. In your life. But yeah, it's that for that individual, like whatever it is, even if it wasn't us, I'm happy for that person that, it was yeah. a cup of coffee. Totally. But it's also gratifying yeah. that we could provide yeah. that support, you know, right. even if we were just part of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they left no name. They said they had, they had no, you know, nothing beyond that just to thank us. And I appreciate that. So, mm-hmm. you know who you are. And uh, we thank you. And we're keep happy on for you. And yeah. keep on listening. Keep on keeping on. And yeah. feel free to don't drink, write or call and not drink uh, anytime. Yeah. Um, Good. Yo, Daniel. Daniel's coming on in a bit. He just sent up a chat on our old chat line there. If you go to Mixler.com, you can find. Um, And he said, yo. We say yo back. We'll talk to you in depth soon. Uh, The other thing I wanted to say is uh, give much gratitude to... um, well, uh, I'm never sure if people want me to say this. Eric A., I'll say. Eric A. wrote a really cool, supportive uh, note to us about, you know, we've kind of been joking about somebody saying we had our worst episode. Um, and we're okay <laughs> with that. We, you know, we know yeah. we're, yeah. you know. Peaks and valleys. Yeah. yeah. And we know who we are, and, and we're all right. We'll have bad days. We'll have good days, just like anybody. Um, 
but he Eric wrote us a very nice note uh, in support, just basically to say loves the podcast um, and uh, and that he actually liked hearing some of the we kind of talked about podcasting and the sort of logistics of the podcast, sort of the and. He liked hearing about that. So, yeah, cool. a little behind-the-scenes um, moment. Yeah. And I will say this. He very kindly dropped a little tip in the tip jar. So Eric, he did. Eric nice. A., thank you very Eric much. Eric and I loved your work with Chain's Addiction. Yeah, Eric A. And if I had a bell, I'd ring it for the tip. <laughs> that, ding, was, ding, ding. that was the name of somebody in that band. Oh, really? Right. Chain's Addiction. Yeah. It probably uh, is. I'm glad you stuck with the last initial instead oh, yeah. of a name. That's um, Daniel says, where's the tip chart? It's on uh, sincerightnow.com slash podcast on the right side near the bottom is where the tip jar is at. Thanks for asking, Daniel. Um, okay, without further ado, I think, are we, yeah, we have any? Well, actually, Jeff, really quick. Jeff just oh, yeah. got back from Las Vegas. Las Vegas. And I took a red eye, so I haven't slept all day. I left at 12 last night and just flew, I've been up. So I could be a little punchy on this. I'm just going to, uh, that's my excuse if I make no sense. Um, and Las Vegas <laughs> is still Las Vegas. But I guess the point is, why were you in Vegas? Oh, yeah. I was at the uh, National uh, Beer Wholesalers Association Convention at Caesars Palace. Whoa, why was the, Jeff there? Yeah, all the wholesalers in the world Intriguing, were there. Jeff. And I was talking to them about my the first ever craft non-alcoholic beer that we will be brewing in about two weeks, trying to get wholesalers excited to carry our product. And had great conversations, and I think lots of and these are beer people. Yeah, you know, these this is their lives, but I think they all saw a need for this, and all had stories of moments and occasions and people and all kinds of stuff where not having alcohol would make everything better. And so that was great to hear. Oh, very excited about that. And I think just thinking about like the big mission of this, right? The big mission is to uh, as we've as I've learned so much about. I always knew alcohol was bad for me, mm-hmm. but I've learned a lot about how bad it is for all kinds of things doing this podcast. Yeah. And uh, so it's good. It's good to have like a noble admission of, you know, maybe the world drink a little less. And did you good. say my life is one of those yeah. moments you speak of? <laughs> yes, I did. And that's not necessarily drink a little less, yeah. drink a little differently. Yeah, drink differently. Yes. Right? A little more yeah. responsible, a little, um, a little moderation, a little yeah. harm reduction, any of those reasons. Right. And training and healthy and pregnant women and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all good. Drivers. Drivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heavy mm-hmm. machinery operators. Mm-hmm. Totally should not be yeah. drinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People at 10 a.m., spicy burrito lunch. And there's all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then us. And then us. Mm-hmm. People who were damaged by it. <laughs> Irrevocably. <All right>. <laughs> Let's call Nikki in. Yeah. Nikki. Uh, our guest tonight, Nikki DuBose, author of Washed Away from Darkness to Light, her memoir. Um, I'll, uh, Nikki's been through a lot. I imagine has a lot of stories to tell. Um, let's call her in and let her tell them herself. Yes. Hey, Nikki. Oh. I got a busy signal. Uh oh. Hmm. She's maybe she's uh, podcasting with someone else. It's always a, it's always a nervous moment when we dial in. Right? Like, well, you know what it is. Oh. Hello. No. Um. Let's vamp. Uh, <laughs> so this is live podcast people. Right. That's right. That's the beauty of it. Live, Uncut, live to tape. Unfiltered. Um, please give me one minute. Okay, okay. no problem. Um, 
So that's the beauty of live. It is. I've loved being live ever since we went live. Yeah. Um, It's like Dylan going electric. We're not going back. We're not hippies anymore. No, No, it's the exact same thing. That was a good intro, though. Like you did her really well. You said her name. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I know. So yeah. I'm. I'm trying to do like one thing better each episode. <laughs> you nailed and that. By year five, it'll be like that was that was good tonight on since right now. You know, be like in a sound guy. Yeah. Uh, Author yeah. of yeah, as seen on yeah yeah. Um, that was good. It yeah, was it really was good. good. I was impressed. Whoa, Daniel, language. <laughs> Do your writers know he talk like that? He just wrote, I left a tip for you fucking morons. What? <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. I thought he was asking where the tip jar was because he was going to gank it. <laughs> I swear I've all just, these tips. <laughs> I've just stolen your tip jar. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Um, morons, eh? So, you know. That's right. It's it's the word of the day. It I is mean, fucking morons. I mean, that's fucking what morons. our right. commander-in-chief was referred to. Um, he's a fucking moron. Yeah, it's all right. We could go there. We're not going there. No. Yeah, you know, I was the, as we were, as I was like thinking about tonight, not specifically tonight's episode and tonight's guest, mm-hmm. but I started thinking like, is it time to to overlay like this? What we do politics over like is it time to we we go there occasionally like yeah. for a long time we resisted it yeah we did because I didn't want to turn anyone off because anybody right. needs we were and small I still don't want to turn anyone off quite frankly no. um I mean we're here to turn you on yes right I mean, that's what we that's what we live to do <laughs> yeah but um, <laughs> oh no Andre Andre says no politics we won't okay uh, I mean we do occasionally but. Um, no, we we but went we there don't hard really. one time in the worst podcast ever. Oh, we did you and I? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we dove right in. Huh. Yeah, and we yeah. went there another time. We had kind of a political podcast where all of us vented a little bit. But, you know, but I'm not saying politics specifically, but no. but and and I, I don't I don't know how to do. It. I only because I was thinking about who who are we talking to? Um, maybe it was Ryan. Uh, my, uh, Michael King, both, uh, you know, working with, uh, facing okay. addiction, facing addiction, just about how the last administration's people in the positions like, okay, Nikki's ready. All um, right. but like, uh, uh, Michael Botticelli yeah. and, mm-hmm. um, Vivek Murtha, um, the surgeon general then both of them were such, um, friends yeah. uh, and, and, and champions of, recovery and prevention (laughs) and you know now we just have an administration that mm, we're just hitting a bottom okay i'm gonna call nikki okay nikki hi hey so it's chris back now with the same four yapping dogs yeah and jeff hi nikki hi and matt oops sorry yeah and matt Hello. Hello. And uh, yeah, we did a, a brief intro for you before um, I tried you the first time. But uh, as uh, the author of Washed Away from Darkness to Light, uh, your memoir, which I, I was mentioning, it, it seems like, um, well, you, you've been through a lot. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> sounds like family dysfunction, abuses addictions, um, 
some eating disorder and uh you've 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 come back from from all of that uh to to tell the story i'm in the light and what in the light and the light that's awesome what might say yeah um which you know Congratulations, bravo for you. I, I know only because I, I saw you last night on Anna David's live uh, Facebook uh, that I think you're six years sober, am I right? Yes, From alcohol and other drugs. And yes. then four years from the eating disorder? Am four I right? Years from, yeah, it's not four years from eating because I wouldn't. Be no, no, sorry. I bought poly. Worn off solids for four years. <laughs> well, it's like when somebody says, You don't drink at all. Don't you get thirsty to me? Yeah, like I get it. Um, yeah. Uh, so, well, welcome to the show and thanks for being here with us. Um, I, I don't think I realized until you know you were booked on ours that you you seem to be on a, a whirlwind of a, a junket. So, um, hopefully, you, I think I mentioned in the pre call that. That we can help help uh, feel fresh. <laughs> so, um, and you sound too fresh. You sound a little bit tired too. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You took a big sigh. Took a big. No, that's just that's that's me. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a heavy sire. <laughs> um, he's been known to sigh. These guys know me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a world weary ennui to, about me. Um, no, but uh, no. Glad you're here, and. Uh, you know, I, I I was I guess leading into that that you've overcome so much. I was wondering if you'd take us back as far as you care to to let us know how you came to be a person in recovery. Like what what if, if there are, are broad steps that, that you can get us up there, or, or if it's you want to take incremental. Yeah, tell steps. us your story. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, tell us your story. So, well, yeah, obviously, you know. We don't get to, I saw a quote today, I think, uh, somewhere in the internet world, you know, something about like, we don't get to be where we are just by having good lives or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. the hard times shape us. And and we've all heard versions of that, but, um, you know, I think we, we, I, I truly believe that all of us have a story, you know, we all have something to tell and, um, Sometimes people say to me, like, oh, my God, I feel like my story isn't important because <clears throat> I didn't have a as hard of a time as you did. But I don't think that that's important. So I just want to – I never really done this before, but I just want to say, you know, put it out there. Like, your story is just as important as my story or just mm-hmm. as important as the next person's story, you know. And um, it's not about comparison. Right. No. So, uh, you know, and uh, – a hard life is a hard life and a, and a, and your pain is your pain and it's just as valid as anyone else's pain. Mm-hmm. No, it's well, um, well said. Yeah. You know, uh, so if I stub my toe, it's going to hurt just as much as if you stub your toe yeah. and, 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 and I feel it. Um, and I'm sure people, if you, once you've told your story through a memoir, people are going to come up and tell you their story. Probably I would assume, which is probably great. Oh yeah. I get people, it's crazy, you know, how, and even if I didn't write a memoir, just, and so even if you don't write a book, I think just when you have the courage to share something about your life, mm-hmm. it's crazy how it gives other people the courage to not only share something about their life, but yeah. do something that enables them to rise above. So I get people from literally all over the world 
who email me, I've never met them, you know, or, or even when I do a speaking event, maybe they don't have the courage to, um, to confront me, but then they'll email me like mm-hmm. a day later or share. So there's such value in, in sharing something about your life and having that courage, um, not only for yourself, but for others. Yeah. So in regards to that, you know, I, I grew up in, um, uh, in the South, in Charleston, South Carolina, which I love. I love that area. Uh, but, you know, it's it's very different than than um, California, where I live now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just more conservative. And back in the 80s, there weren't a lot of uh, laws or, you know, people lived a much sheltered life. And my parents got divorced when I was um, two years old. And my mom remarried a much older man. And it was a very, very strict, domineering household and there was a lot of physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, but you wouldn't have known that just by looking at us as oftentimes as we see a lot of the news right now, you know, but there wasn't social media to tell you that, you know, uh, as oftentimes these things are because when people are abusive uh, or when there's a situation with domestic violence, people are very good at grooming and making things look like something that it's not. And and, and so when you're a child and you're going through that, you don't understand it or you you have no idea what's going on. So do you have any idea that that's what it was at the time? Or did you think it was wrong or feeling like, oh, this isn't supposed to be happening? Um, I did and I didn't. I mean, it took me a really long time to understand that, you know, because Mm -hmm. they were taking care of me. Yeah. Providing a nice life, so I knew that there were some things that were not right, but um, I depended on them too. So what had what ended up happening was I internalized a lot of the a lot of the behaviors that were inflicted upon me, and I developed seriously low self esteem, mm-hmm. um, and and eventually body dysmorphic disorder, mm-hmm. uh, serious eating disorders at age eight, um, wow. and a lot of depression. Uh, suicidal tendencies and thoughts at a very young age. Uh, My mother... This is all preteen feelings. Like, this is all happening at 8, 9, 10? Yeah, these are are child... uh, Oh, my gosh. So, what what happened was age 4 is when I started to become physically abused um, by by my stepfather. Mm -hmm. And my mother had mental illness. My mother was a very, very beautiful woman, but she had... Uh, so I really admired my mother, but she had uh, mental illness. She had bipolar disorder and what was known as uh, multiple personality disorder, which mm-hmm. was dissociative identity disorder. Now mm-hmm. it's called that. So uh, my mother and I had a lot of good times, but then, you know, she started to drink a bit mm-hmm. very, very slowly, more and more. And um, so I never really knew which version of my mother, yeah. you know. That I was seeing. So in my child mind, I kind of created the version of my mother that I wanted to see. And, you know, oftentimes in domestic violence situations, uh, sometimes the partner uh, can wear down mentally. And that's what happened with my mother. And she started to physically abuse me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was then sexually abused uh, by my mother when I was uh, from the ages of nine to 13. And, um, that was something that I suppressed and and really 
did not have memory of until I was in my later 20s. And was um, she a different personality during that time? Like, was it someone, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a split personality that was doing that and then she was normal or different the next day? Yes. And so this was, you know, when all of that happened, it was so hard for me to really understand that because when my mother had different personalities, um, and, and so I am giving a talk in Orlando, Florida, actually about DID within a company called the infinite mind. And, and growing up, I did not understand the different personalities, you know, when she would get very excited and like act very, very sexual, like walk around the house naked and, you know, do things that, cause I, I have a younger brother and like do things that really were embarrassing and, you know, but then she would afterwards, she would become a different person, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but always when I was like being put in these very, um, abusive, sexually abusive situations with my mom, she became this hyper excited, you know, she would talk in a different voice and her face would look different. Her eyes would look different. And so I just, and it, it, and everything was like funny, you know, mm-hmm. it was like a joke. Um, so, so I was touched inappropriately by my mother, you know, she would always find ways to tickle me around my chest. And, um, I was also sexually abused at age eight by a male figure, a uh, male family member. But not um, I, I can't name the person. Okay. And was your bro- their little your kid brother also involved in all this? No, he was not. Okay. And the reason for that, uh, well, we never really know the true reason, but one of the reasons was because, uh, you know, he was, uh, I think I, I would not like to say that. But so, so the, um, what ended up happening was, I, I distinctly know that the sexual abuse in my life um, was so traumatizing that it triggered uh, an eating disorder that developed at age eight. And um, that started with binge eating disorder, which lasted for a couple of years, which led into bulimia. Hmm. And that stayed with me until I was in my mid-20s uh, and all the way into my modeling career. And then I developed anorexia nervosa for a couple of years. Wow. So a lot of heavy things, you know. So you – and it's funny because most people – most models develop that after they become models. And you sort of went into this industry with all of that. It's so – yeah, that's awful, right? And I assume the modeling industry is the perfect industry to get into because it's probably just – everyone just – no one questions it, right? Well, you know – I uh, worked on a bill last year in California with this member, uh, Mark Levine, who represents Sonoma and Marin County. And um, we did a, a research study with Harvard, uh, Striped, which is an initiative of Harvard University to, to research eating disorders and to kind of take uh, legislative action in that area. And we did a, um, a research on fashion models. Mm-hmm. And I actually worked with the university, you know, to teach students and, and, and develop their lesson plan in that area. What we found was that um, 40% of fashion models, of those that we studied, had an eating disorder. Now, you have to remember that it could be that they develop eating disorders or it could be that modeling agencies have a tendency mm-hmm. to go after and scout vulnerable-minded young people. Mm-hmm. So it could be that already you have 
young people who are already dealing with an eating disorder but are not disclosing it. And then once they get into the modeling industry, it just exacerbates that because, you know, um, they're not particularly going after healthy-minded young people because probably healthy-minded young people won't want to become models. They're wanting to study, you know, and become doctors or lawyers or, you know, uh, make their parents proud and, and make themselves proud um, because the modeling industry is not a regulated business. You know, it's one that is filled with, like we just saw with the Weinstein, you know, yeah, like, right. who abuse young people. You, yeah, it almost seems like it's a yeah, vulnerable industry or very. It, I, I would assume the modeling industry is so hyper competitive based on this very superficial thing of looks that yes. you have to almost have this constant insecurity about it because there's always someone that looks different or better for whatever that reason is. I mean, that's the that's the industry. It's basically a hundred no's one time you get a yes and everyone's good looking. You know, I'm sure it just right. eats on your self esteem, right? Yes, it's it's like ballet. You know, being in a trying to compete to be the top ballet dancer in the world yeah, uh, or a sports star, you know, and, and you are only as good as you look and, and, you know, someone's always right behind you trying to be, trying to be better. And so you are constantly pressured, if not by your agents or, you know, the professionals like photographers to, to be better. And they are so blunt. You know, when I started, I was, um, very young, I was like 16, and then I, I modeled for 10 years, and I, from the very beginning, I mean, from the first, literally the first day, you know, I was I was fat shamed and, t- and told in front of everybody to go home and to lose weight. <laughs> As a teenager, you know, yeah. from the very end, when I was, when I, from the very end, when I pretty much almost died and that's how my career ended i was um 90 pounds and i had anorexia but at that time i literally was in this very weird world where i was sick and vomiting blood and my hair was falling out because i I had a a mental illness Mm -hmm. but people were telling me that i looked amazing Mm -hmm. so you get this this thought in your head like this is how it is this is how it is. I will never be good enough, and I'm only good enough if I am if I'm sick. And so, at, at that at that time, when when you're going through all these 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 sort of body issues um, and and eating issues, were you also going through alcohol and drug issues? At different periods, yes. Oh. Uh, when when different different times during my modeling career, I had a serious problem with drugs and alcohol. You know, and that was really triggered also by my environment, by the people I was hanging out with. Um, but bottom line, I am definitely an addict, and I know that. And so that's another reason why I left, you know, the modeling industry mm-hmm. because it provides way too much. You know, like it was a time in my life when I was afforded everything, and I was dating, you know, politicians and celebrities, and that lifestyle. Uh, Mixed with the fact that I myself was becoming, um, I guess, famous or whatever, it, it really it provided too much, and I was not in a I was not prepared to handle that. And if you're not prepared to handle what success can bring you, you know, if, you, if you're not uh, in, in recovery and you're not prepared with people who can uh, 
remind you of your place, you know, um, then it can be disastrous. And that's exactly where I was at. And so I would, I would literally do like, I can remember, you know, even before I started modeling, I was, I, I did so much cocaine that I, I would end up in a supplier's house, you know, and, and just completely numb. And my, one of my good friends who's still my good friends had to come and pick me up and, and cause I couldn't drive. And then even when I was modeling, you know, I had sworn off the cocaine and, um, there I was doing more and, and more pills and just having people pour pills into my mouth. And I talk about that very explicitly because I wanted people to understand, you know, um, you can want something so badly, you know, you can want to be uh, famous and all that, but, it, but, but, but what does that really matter? You know, what does it matter to, to want to be successful if you can't handle any, any of that? You know, if you're doing drugs, if you're doing alcohol, None of that means anything, you know, it, it, so it, it really meant nothing. And, um, all the money that I made really went to, to that. And it went to binging on food and purging it, you know, and I, and I talk explicitly about that and more because I also wanted people to understand what it was really like to have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's horrible. It's hell. And you can die from the very first time that you, uh, engage in any sort of eating disorder behavior. It has the highest mortality rate, again, you know, of any mental illness, anorexia nervosa. Yes, more than schizophrenia, more than any. Um, and, um, you know, so so uh, there's absolutely nothing funny or, or glamorous about that, just like I was telling uh, Anna podcast last night. And um, so... It, it, it's, it's uh, these are you know very serious issues uh but when you're a model uh people think that you are stupid or they think you know that uh that it that that it's funny or cute if you if you have an eating disorder or they think that everyone does and it's like a trendy thing but no these these are some of the most uh serious illnesses you can ever have and they affect uh more than 30 million people in the united states and um, and you will die from them. I can't imagine the like it. You had no childhood. You had no teen. There was nothing normal about your existence from the time you no. eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen. Then you're modeling at sixteen and doing all kinds of crazy drugs. Do you looking back on that now? Like, do you feel like you miss like something or just I don't know? Just it's crazy, right? You missed yeah, a childhood. I, yeah, you know what. I didn't have a, I didn't have, um, a, let's say a healthy childhood. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have a childhood, and yeah, were there was, like good times and like you know normal things and proms and learning how to drive and all that stuff, or was it just <laughs> totally different? <laughs> you know, I I I really that's something that during recovery I really had to meditate on. You know, and understand, and I am. Uh, I be- so I believe in God, and I believe not in the religious sense, but um, spirituality is very important to me. And I listen a lot to like Joyce Meyer. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar Joyce with her. Joyce Meyer, she's from our town. She's like right outside our town. She's got a big church here. Oh yeah, I love Joyce. I, I love her because <laughs> I, I'm not like <laughs> I don't um, I don't obsess over people, but right. I, I connect with them you know, because I love God and, and, uh, her message has really helped me 
because she went through a sexual abuse as a child. So one of the things that she talks about a lot and, and has really, really helped me get through is that she didn't have a healthy childhood either. So, you know, as I've gone through recovery the past few years, I had to really forgive my family um, and, 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 and come to understand that although I didn't have a healthy childhood, uh, what happened to me was for a reason. And, and I, my personal relationship with God is so important. And, you know, yes, that does bother me because I'm human, you know, yes, it hurts because I'm human. Um, but I pray a lot and I pray for the, you know, on the things and I meditate on the things that they're sore spots in my heart, you know, like in my soul, whatever we go through, that's been a trauma. It's like a gap that needs to be filled. So I pray, you know, God, please help me, um, to fill the holes in my soul and especially the childhood that I didn't have. Uh, like there's a verse in the Bible that says something like, um, if you didn't have a mother and a father, God will, be your mother and your father, you know, God will adopt you. So I try to meditate on scripture that applies to my life and, and applies to the areas that I'm missing because pretty much for all of my life, I was trying to fill those, that pain yeah. with everything else, all the wrong things, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I was dying. That's why I was killing myself. Did you, did you find that uh, power of recovery through, in in AA and got into the twelve steps and that led you to kind of the spiritual life and into the scripture, um, or did did were you did you grow up at church and then uh, have a God there? How did that work? Yeah, I did grow. I, I again, I was I'm from Southern, Charlotte, yeah. Carolina, the yeah. Bible Belt, you know, and You're I in actually the Bible Belt. yeah, thinking it, you know, and um, I did go to a private Christian school growing up. Uh, but that all kind of melted away when, you know, I was going through what I was going through and I associated God with something really bad and, and just kind of happened naturally where I fell apart from that. Now, when I, when I went back to recovery, you know, it was kind of gradually, it kind of gradually happened and people were like, maybe you should read a Bible. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and then I went to the 12 step group slowly. Actually, my modeling agency was like, I think in 2010, they're like, you have to go to... You need to get in uh, recovery, yeah. Yeah, actually, because if you don't, you're not going to work anymore. It was like that. That was how bad it was. And so I was like, okay. And um, so I did. And then, you know, there was a whole higher power thing. So it was introduced to me slowly. And then it was literally like, I couldn't even step outside in the sunshine. That's how blinded I was, you know, to mm-hmm. God. Like I didn't even, I hadn't even thought about God, you know? Yeah. And so I eventually just did get back. It took years, but really what happened is when my mother, uh, because she was over the course of like many, many years, she had become a serious alcoholic, you know, to the point where like, um, she would get, I mean, really, really bad. I mean, she, she was alive. Uh, no, she passed away in 2012. Gotcha. So, so over the course of all of these years of my me growing up, and we had become very separated. Um, we would get lost for like days on end, and 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 get lost in the woods. She would get in serious car accidents, 
related to her drinking and, and her drinking had really gotten out of control. So we had tried to get her into rehab and eventually we did because we had a serious intervention with her. And this was all happening while I was in like Europe modeling. And I flew back to, you know, to have an intervention with my mother. And, um, she was so changed by alcohol, her body, her brain and everything. And, um, so this had really affected me, you know, and at the same time I was sick because of anorexia. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was all my, while my career was going well, of course. Right. Of like course. if you've ever heard while your career is, while your career is going really well, everything else kind of falling apart. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, the, the God thing was like, yeah. you know, and, and I saw my, we got her into a rehab facility, uh, and uh, there was AA groups going on, and she was doing well, you know, and I was so happy. And there was like two weeks that I got to spend with my mother that I felt like I had never seen her like that, so clear and transparent. So you had, you had a moment with her. Yeah, I really did. And it was weird. It was really weird. I, I, I was freaked out, you know. And um, so I went back to Europe. And we were having regular Skype conversations, and I was checking on her and everything. And um, and and uh, and then she started to complain about seeing shadows and stuff, you know, with the bipolar, because sometimes mm-hmm. you see these ghosts and things like that. And I had a premonition. I had a premonition, literally, and I wrote about my book that I saw a ghost thing, and and I heard the voice telling me that my mom was going to die. And the next day, my mom left the rehab facility. Uh, I found out from her boyfriend at the time, and two weeks later, she died. Mm-hmm. And couldn't get in touch with her. She was off with her enabler, this person who was literally physically abusing her and was, like, threatening her life with a gun. So I'm really weird around guns. I hate all these gun laws and stuff like that. And, um, you know, really bad stuff. And so... The one thing that had helped me through that um, was when she was in rehab, she was given this AA book, and I was also given an AA book. And I had taken it back to Spain, and I was, like, slowly reading it. You know, there was something about that, whether it, had, whether it was the people there, the place, or whatever, but um, I had been reading it, and, 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 and I needed it so bad, you know, just as bad as my mom. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was reading it and, and, and I was hungry. I was hungry, starving actually physically, but hungry also for God's love. And, and I believe that this is something that naturally occurs in everybody's life, you know, whether or not we're open to it or whether or not we receive it, uh, is different for everyone. You know, sometimes like my, with my mom, sometimes we have the opportunity and sometimes we don't receive it. You know, I'm an addict. For 17 years, I was up and down on the roller coaster ride, and and, and I didn't want to receive it. Uh, you know, sometimes we're sober for 20 years, and we, and then we make a decision, or the 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 mental illness comes back and it takes over us, and we we don't choose recovery anymore. So, mm-hmm. I believe that it was that divine time where I chose to. To, to you know, I chose recovery, and when my mother died, um, it it changed everything for me. You wow. know, I was so shocked, 
uh, she got in an alcohol-related car accident, and it 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 really changed my life. But so the, I had was that like the final thing that that did it was this woman's death was sort of your moment of clarity, or? Well, it it was so. I mean, when my mom died like that, I mean, it really was just so um, traumatic for me. Yeah. You know, I, I because I saw a lot of myself in my mom. And I, I just I describe it like that a lot in my memoir because we were very much alike. You know, as much as I disliked my mother and hated what she had done, I saw so much of myself in my mom. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I continued behaving the way that I was, uh, something like that was going to happen to me. You know, where I was going to purge one more time or I was going to not eat one more day or something and, and that my heart was going to stop or something, you know, because – we cannot continue to, you know, uh, addiction is not sustainable. You know, no. you, you cannot uh, continue or, or we, our brains think that we're, we are invincible. But I never thought, you know, I never really thought that my beautiful mother was going to, to die. And even though I hated her at times, uh, I, st- I loved her, you know, and, and it was just this, tr- this tragic time of my life and I chose to get better uh, I had no idea how I was going to do it but I left my my career and um, I you know I, I, I made that decision after that time so you went into meetings and is do you find like somehow this death of this person who had fucked you up so bad in some in so many ways ultimately was like the, the thing that led you back to God right her death yeah. Hello. Hello. Yep. Sorry, yep. you got a little faint. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, I'm here. Okay. I think, <laughs> I think the is the mic the same distance or? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Um, it's coming back. Okay. Uh, wow. That's so, a, yeah. So, did you? Are you currently going to twelve step meetings? You know, I. Do not. Uh, I do have a life recovery Bible and workbook that I have, you know, worked with over the past few years. I have a mentor mm-hmm. that I work with, and I, I, you know, I think it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, being an advocate, speaking on these issues every day, and going around telling my story, um, writing on these issues, and I think when I started to work on laws and these issues, and um, being on, uh, working in the government, you know, trying to be a good uh, force for the good and make changes significantly, um, significantly helped me. Um, every day I, I tell my story in some way, whether that's at a speaking event or it's writing about mm-hmm. it or, you know, I'm on the uh, League of Women Voters here in Los Angeles County on the mental health co-chair and trying to make some sort of positive change. Um, And it's completely changed my life. You know, like six years ago, five years ago, I wasn't transparent at all about what had happened to me. Um, And, and I needed to get, I needed to get my story out. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to get out what had happened to me. And, and for everyone, it's different. However, 
I do understand. I completely agree with you. And, and just because I'm doing that, you know, there are still things inside of me, like personal things, you know, that I have to work on. So, um, I would say that, you know, and I'm, I'm very, very honest, uh, you know, there are certain things that I have to work on, you know, certain personal growth things I'm, I'm currently having to work on and need. And, and that has to go back to the child's sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm very clear about with people is that child sexual abuse affects us in every single area of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see that more than anything, you know, I really recovered from the eating disorder, um, from the drugs and alcohol, but the child sexual abuse, the PTSD and the trauma, it, it's so sneaky, yeah. you know, and, and it comes out. I can't, yeah. I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine what that is like. I don't know if we've had a guest on that has dealt with that. I've known people in recovery that were sexually abused, but not as young as that. I mean, that mm-hmm. just seems like, yeah, just the, the, the stuff you have to do to take care of yourself with that. I'm sure there's triggers and moments that none of us could even relate to how that could affect you know what's going on. And it's a lifelong thing, it sounds like. Yeah. You know, it's not something <laughs> wherein you recover and you're on the other side and yeah um um it's always always there in some way shape or form so yes it's a, it's a conscious uh decision and effort every day to to take care of yourself and you know like i i got married when i was 18 i got married for a year for i was married for a year i was like a little tasmanian devil you know that had no idea what she was doing uh but but that's very normal and there's nothing to be ashamed of like i work a lot with survivors and in different aspects and that's extremely common it's extremely common to be promiscuous extremely common for men and women to go into prostitution because they have no guidance extremely common for criminal behavior i mean all this is available for example i used to work with an organization called peaceful hearts foundation and you can go on there and look at different um peaceful hearts Peaceful Hearts Foundation. It was okay. founded by Matthew Sandusky. And actually, I used to be the board president of that foundation. Um, and he's a great guy. Uh, and, um, there's so many ways that this comes out. And I so I try to tell people, please do not judge others. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were abused, imagine what that would do to you. So let's try to have compassion mm-hmm. and understanding for other people. You know, we want to help people. How, how did you... You said you had forgiven your family. Was that... How did that process happen, and how long did that take you? And where where do you feel that today? Do you have peace with all of that? I have peace, but I have boundaries, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's something that I learned the first time in um, when I went to a very good therapist. When I was in uh, the, when I went to rehab the first time in 2010, and I was living in New York. And I went to a very good therapist in, in New York, and she. So one advice I can give people when they're going to their therapist, I'm actually studying now to be a psychologist, um, and try to go to a therapist who's been in business for a long time, you know, who's been in practice for a long time, because usually interns or younger therapists, they're trying very hard. But you know, it helped me because this woman had been going, had been practicing for a very long time and she taught me a lot about um boundaries you know boundaries with my family because obviously my family had no boundaries and also you know another thing is that um 
remember that everyone who abuses or does something that's inappropriate, you know, they got that from somewhere. Maybe something happened to them. Right. So that's not probably not going to be something that you're going to get right away, that you're not going to be able to to understand and, and, and accept right away. But I, it takes time. Um, so I was able to forgive. But, you know, there are, there are certain people that are alive in my family that, you know, did things that were inappropriate. And so, for example, I just went home to visit my family um, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And I love certain people, but I love them from a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't have to spend time with certain people because I've, I've under, I understand now how to have healthy boundaries for me. Yeah. Because yeah. as a child, I never had... I never had self-love, number one. I never had healthy people around me who loved me the way they were supposed to, and I never had boundaries. So now as an adult, I know how to establish those boundaries. So I can love you, but I'm not going to be in a room by myself with you. Really? Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm gonna, I like that. With your family. I, I'm gonna, I love you, but from a distance. That's good. Right. You know? <laughs> I forgive you. I do. Yeah. But forgiving you doesn't mean that I'm going to put myself right back in the same situation with you as I used to. Yeah, sure. And then, Oh, go ahead, Chris. Well, I was just thinking, I mean, it, it, it sounds like a very, um, I mean, uh, isolated existence. Is there, is there family like a larger, into the larger family group that you ha- have or had a healthy supportive relationship with or, or friends, um, along you know, the it, way? Yeah, it was, t- to be very honest, it, it has been very isolating. You know, it is hard. And, and and that's why I try to educate people so much about child abuse. <laughs> because, and we need a lot more people doing it. Because don't hurt your children. No. You know, it, it, it's very damaging. Yes, there's, yes, you can, yes, you can heal. But it, it is so damaging and and it is isolating and it causes depression and all and and all that other stuff Mm -hmm. i was diagnosed in 2015 with major depression and psychosis and so that's one of the other things i talk about in my memoir is are the voices and all that other stuff it's very it's very damaging people i you know i'm a suicide survivor i you know these things are hard they're isolating i do have a wonderful dad um but growing up I, i wasn't uh, able to see him that much because of visitation rights and everything like that. So, you know, anytime someone has a mental health issue or a a trauma, it not only impacts the the person, it impacts the entire family, Mm. you know, and, and parents and, and loved ones are just trying to do the best they can. Um, my poor dad, he, you know, from my perspective, I was aggravated and frustrated. And that's another thing I write a lot about. I was like, why doesn't my dad understand, you know? And why wasn't he being there for me? But from my dad's perspective, he didn't understand anything of what I was going through, mm-hmm. you know? Because he was heartbroken and divorced and, and a young dad. Um, so we have to take all those things into consideration. I had a wonderful Nana, because my, my mother was adopted, actually, mm-hmm. And so there was that whole dynamic of not knowing anything medically about my, you know, about my other half. Um, and I can tell you that if it wasn't for my Nana, my adopted Nana, I, I don't think uh, that I would know very much about God or, or know very much about, you know, his love. Because she instilled in me at a very young age 
she would, she would, you know, talk to me about his love. She, she was like one of those kind of Danas that you would see on TV, like that, that would just like squeeze your cheeks. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so serious. Like, yeah. You guys were in love with her so much. She yeah. was the most amazing person. And, and she just poured out love into me. That's good. So it's good for somebody. It's somebody who loved you. That's good. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. So, and then how long did the memoir take and how did you decide you're going to write that? As I started to go through recovery, um, I, I, I had always loved writing. I mean, I wrote my first short story when I was in the third grade and I was just like one of those nerdy introverted kids that like was like, I want to go live in the mountains, you know, when I'm like mm-hmm. in my, you know, later in life and just write books. And that's, I'm just going to keep writing books for the rest of my life. So like, I started writing when I was very young, but as I started to get older, the mental illness kind of like really hindered me from writing. And then I was I was on the school newspaper uh, in high school, so I, I definitely loved writing. But um, when I went through recovery, when I started to – actually, it was like as soon as I stopped modeling, I think I went onto my modeling website and I uh, started to write about what had happened to me. And then I said, I'm just going to start doing this. And I don't care that there's there's nobody else in the modeling industry who talks about trauma or eating disorders. And I started to literally write about what was happening to me. And some people were like in my family were like, What are you doing? you know? And I said, I have to just get it out mm-hmm. because I had been so silenced. Um and 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 I was actually terrified that some of the people who had abused me would read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believe that if I hadn't done that, you know, that I wouldn't have started on my healing process. Yeah, well, it's, it's taking your power back. Yeah, I mean, you it, you can't mm-hmm. keep that inside. I think that's one of the big things about recovering from anything. At some point, you just have to get it out, and and it loses its power. Like mm-hmm. you leave it at the table, it's it doesn't hold power over you as much anymore. Right. And and I'm a, and it took you know so I was doing that for about four years just kept writing and I still keep writing I write for many different mm-hmm. you know uh, um, online newspapers and things like that but memoir took about two years and uh, and and I'm a big believer because of that and also because my mother was an artist uh, I'm a big believer in art therapy so I try to do different workshops cool. with different cool. uh, colleges like UCLA I did it with homeless population different. Um, different you know age groups uh like if you can paint draw if you want to sing whatever but just express yourself there's a lot of kids who and in all ages who've gone through trauma or anything if you're depressed you have an addiction uh you don't really maybe you don't even feel like talking about it or you don't know how to but we can all connect in some way through art. So I'm a big, big believer in that. And I hope to, in the future, expand that in some sort of way. That's terrific. We're definitely big believers yeah. in art and creativity and all its forms. Yeah. Uh, as, you know, therapeutic and a way to communicate and, and all that. Um, what was I going to ask you? I, oh, I just wanted to, so you work a lot with survivors. And when it sounds, I mean, you work a lot with, uh, tirelessly, it sounds like, on so many fronts. And, and I greatly appreciate that and and thank you for for you know focusing and, and spending your energy that way um but uh, i was curious do you ever work with the younger with with children i guess that's what i'm asking to to 
To, and is there a way to, I don't know what, to, to arm children with, with the tools to speak out sooner, earlier, preventatively, anything like Oh, definitely. Okay. Um, I have definitely worked with, with young people. Uh, but this past year, um, I worked on a bill in, in New York uh, to try to eliminate, well, now this next year we want to eliminate the statute of limitations for children who have been sexually abused. Um, and so I worked with a wonderful organization called Lauren's Kids. Okay. Um, they're based out of Florida, and but they take action everywhere. And we teach, they teach, but I partner with them, you know, they teach children to speak out as young as you can talk, you know, okay. about their body parts. One thing we want children always to understand is that you don't have to be afraid to to speak out about uh, your body. You always name the real parts, and and we want schools and we want parents to to partner uh, around the United States and to work with their their kids uh, and 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 to prevent child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So you can go to laurenskids.org and see more about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, when I was the board president of Peaceful Hearts Foundation, that's what we did was we empowered young people, parents and educators um, to, to speak to speak out and help prevent child sexual abuse. Um, I actually think uh, this next legislative session in New York, in order to pass this bill, uh, you know, I had an idea that we should get kids uh, to go to the Capitol, you know, and, and to be the advocates, actually, mm, instead yeah. of the adult. Because lawmakers, I, you know, I have friends that are lawmakers. I mean, I love lawmakers. But I think that um, I think that children, and I write a lot about kids, so I think that children are the greatest advocates, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're the future. So I think when you have children that can go into the Capitol and, and, and speak up, for, for the issues that we are representing, like if we're talking about child sexual abuse, if a child can go into the Capitol mm-hmm. and say, hi, lawmaker, please protect me, then we can make a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks uh, for coming on. Nikki, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, you have such a beautiful way about you. I think we're all just sitting here like really inspired by your the way you've you've oh. just, you just have this amazing humanity about you. Yeah, so. and as a activist and as an advocate and as someone is who's speaking on behalf of and in the interest yeah. of so many others uh i think that's a especially admirable attribute to yeah, have yeah. you're uh you're speaking very well for so many um, mm-hmm. and you do so much it's it's a lot to take in I and mean, we've only have an hour with you i feel like we've just scratched the surface as yeah. we're speaking i'm reading more you know we did a little bit of pre-research but i'm reading more and more and i'm like gosh well, we didn't even touch on this and oh my mm-hmm. gosh she does this well that's a, i mean you're uh, you're tireless so we we appreciate you thank you so much and and very much i mean i i, I learned a lot which i think i told you in the pre-call is what you know what i i do this for so i can and find out what i don't know and um and you know we're all we're all parents of of young children and uh you know that's it's it's um you know, I guess on this side of it, hearing from you, there, there's some encouraging things. And, um, you know, I appreciate you being on this side of things and working for others the way you do. Um, it's it's really, it is, it's admirable and commendable, and we appreciate it. So, 
Thanks, guys. If you ever want to, you know, team up or work on any advocacy or anything, you can always email me. I'm sure you have my email address. So, um, you know, I work, like I said, around the nation and actually internationally on, on many different issues, uh, on legislative issues and things like that. So I'm always happy to to build the coalition. Absolutely. Thank um, yeah, I'll definitely look into that. And before we before we let you go, sorry. Um, what do you want people to to? How do you want people to find you? What do you want people to to look for and focus on? I'll definitely put links to like Peaceful Hearts and Lauren's Kids in the show notes. Um, yeah, where can they get that book? What, on your website? <laughs> you can go. Well, uh, the best way is just go directly to Amazon.com and get it from Amazon. That. Gotcha. Yeah, that's Amazon. <laughs> Uh, okay. it's, a, it's a little known site called Amazon.com. <laughs> yeah. We'll Google it. It's a great sure it's cover. Who did that? That was that's a really uh, interesting concept. Yeah, it's wonderful yeah. Cover. I wanted it to be weird and interesting because that's what it felt like. Yeah. Being a you've, you've had so many shots of you as this model. I'm, you know, but that cover was just, I think, said a lot. It's really cool. Yeah, that's what it felt like. You know, uh, I didn't I feel like it felt like a monster. So, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I know. What's so funny about that? No, no. I mean, it's just interesting that yeah. that you did, you know, taking the industry that you came from, and then there's this monstrous, um, yeah, yeah thing. So it's, I do it that's, all. Yeah, yeah. After speaking with yeah. all these topics with such gravity for you yeah. to say, I felt like a monster. Yeah. Just, uh, it did. <laughs> that's what. That's what it feels like having mental illness. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do feel like we just scratched the surface. So, so maybe we we'll have to figure out how to have you back on sometime. I did notice when I was watching Anna's Anna's interview with you last night that you mentioned for your, you said for my second book or for my next book. So are you working on another book? Yes. I'm working on two other books actually. Uh, The next one is a recovery book. And the one after that is one that's completely unrelated. And it's, 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 uh, it's something that you guys will like, but I can't, yeah, but it's oh, yeah. it's, it's very creepy. It's a creepy book. Well, fantastic. Oh, good. I like oh, creepy books. Okay. Yeah. Enjoy creepy. creepy. Yeah. Um, we'll tell you what. Uh, if not sooner, definitely let us know when uh, when you're ready to talk about the next project too, and, and you know, come back on. Don't forget us, and uh, we'll be here. And we're, we're you just converted three new uh, fans and supporters. And uh, oh, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Have a good night. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Nikki. Bye. Thank you.